Anime Pulse, episode 481. I'm Red. And I'm Rio. And welcome back to another episode of Anime Pulse. Yes, we are here, alive, after a brief break, because I had a ten-page paper to write. Yay. Yeah, pages of paper that you needed to get to, which hopefully you, you were able to I complete. I completed it this morning. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I did go first last time, so before I get too into it, why don't you start us off with our IRL news? Hmm. All right. So my week, or weeks, as it were. Um. Let's see here. On last week, on Friday... I went to a retirement party for my, uh, who was my current supervisor, uh, Diane, and she has since retired. Mm -hmm. Great supervisor, super supervisor. Uh, She actually gave me my interim report for work, um, saying that I had A plus all around. So, and she even said that I was like her best employee and that... She got all weepy-eyed about it. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she she was, like, super happy that she was leaving me in charge of uh, training new uh, employees, specifically the uh, clerks who will be in my position, because we're getting one more clerk, which is good, because we have a lot of scanning to get to and not enough time to do it. I mean, even with the overtime that we're being allowed to have, because we're being allowed to have it, which... We normally don't have overtime. Diane had to fight tooth and nail to get it. And she got us overtime, and we're taking it, but it's still not getting any of the scanning done. We barely have enough time in the day to get through determinations, IMEs, applications, um, all that good stuff. All these things that I wish I knew what you were talking about. Basically, it's just I process disability applications for um, state employees, uh, both... uh, um, both like police and fire and just normal uh, state employees who work for the state of New York. So like if you're on the job and you get hurt, like, oops, I fell on an ice uh, outside the work. Or, oh no, this a patient assaulted me and I'm a corrections officer. Or, oh no, I got shot while I was trying to put out a fire. I'm the guy you send your application to to file for disability retirement. And uh, I'm your first step in that line. So... To all you officers out there, don't piss me off, or else your application may suddenly disappear into the ether. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I can't do that. I'm fired. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
Then this Friday, I had the OSC picnic, which, unlike other activities I've been to for work, the picnic was all of OSC, which is the Office of State Controller. And it was a lot of people. We all went to Crystal Cove, which is a uh, uh, near Avril Park. It's a lake. Mm-hmm. And it's it was big. Uh, I got there. They had Brooks Barbecue Chicken. And um, there was a line yeah. for that, so I didn't get in the line. Um, and we got to take off a half a day. So it was around noontime that you got to go there. Mm-hmm. And you only had to stay here half an hour if you wanted, and then you could leave. And that's exactly what I did. I went there. I showed up. I was like, sheesh, it's buggy. It's humid out. Um, it's sunny out. There's a lot of people waiting in line for the Brooks. I just went up and I grabbed myself. Um, there was like another buffet area. Yeah. I got uh, some pork and beans, which was delicious. Some potato salad and some uh, macaroni salad and a really big sausage on like a Kaiser roll. Mm-hmm. And I ate that. The Kaiser roll with the sausage was delicious. Um, so was the pork and beans. The potato salad... I'm not a big fan of potato salad, but it was good because they were thickly cut potatoes, so it kind of cut through oh, the mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really care for the macaroni salad too pota- too uh, tomatoey. Oh, that's yeah. When it has too much tomato in it, it just kind of ruins it. Yeah, they had like big chunks of tomato in it, so I was like, nah, I don't really care. So I ate my meal. I didn't stick around because they only had Budweiser beer as a beverage, so I was like, eh, I don't really care about that. Um, and they had like other activities, but I was dressed up in my nice work attire. My, you know, my, my, uh, my dress slacks and socks and shoes and my, my dress shirt and tie with a tie clip and my, um, uh, my suit jacket that I wear all the time or one of them. So I was not ready to do the picnic activities that they had, which were volleyball and swimming and all that other good stuff. I was more like, I came for the food. I even left and like there was another person there. She's like, cutting it short, huh? And I was like, yeah, just stay for the food. Yeah, me too. And we both took off. At which point I went to Colony Center. And I went to the Starbucks there. Because mm-hmm. I was just feeling like, you know, I don't want to go home now. I want to do something else. Um, I had these the sweet cream coffee that they have, which I got to say, pretty good. Not as sweet as the guy was saying. I was like, is it going to be sweet? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's sweet. It's sweet, but it needed a few more sweeteners to it to make it passable for me. Uh, Um, I see. It basically has reduced acid and double the caffeine. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, I was happy with that. And then I was like, oh, look, at 3 o'clock, X-Men Apocalypse is showing. So I just was like, oh, I got a free uh, movie pass that my mother gave me, a gift certificate. So I... Just went and saw X-Men Evolution, or X-Men Apocalypse, Apocalypse, which I gotta say, as someone who isn't a fan of the X-Men series, and didn't really follow it as a kid, it was good action flick. I mean, yeah, I could see the plot holes that some people talked about, like, this is supposed to be Apocalypse, and the last X-Men movie, where, like, they're all getting torn apart by the giant colossuses, that felt more end-of-the-world-y than this. Oh, really? Yeah, because this one, it's like, oh, the first mutant shows up and he takes control of the nukes. Uh-oh. But then the nukes kind of just float off into space and he's like, no more sticks. Like, okay. Um, 
where's the end of the world? What? 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 The other one felt more end of the worldy because I mean, like they're getting torn apart. I mean, literally torn apart. Colossus is torn apart by two mechs. It's like, oh, wow. boom. yeah, it's he's in his metal form, so it's not bloody, but it's just like it's still kind of gruesome because he's torn in half, and it's like, whoa, okay, then they're not uh, they're not messing around here. Yeah, I guess not. No, so yeah, that uh, that was an okay movie. Um, good good for action, and it had a few few funny points in there. Like at one point, um, the some of the kids had went to go see Return of the Jedi. And they're walking out of it, and they're all talking about different movies. And the one girl, Jean, actually says, uh, "Well, or no, it was either Jean or Jubilee." And she's like, huh, "Well, we all know that the third one's always the worst, which is a, you know a hit at the X Men series." Um, and what else was there? Oh, like at one point they run into uh, to Wolverine. Okay. And like he, he doesn't stick around, I hope. No, he doesn't. Like he's Weapon X in this where he has like the the suit of uh he has like the prods in him and whatnot and when they release him, he just goes around and he fucking kills everyone at this base he's in. I mean, he just tears them apart and like the kids are walking up behind, you know, walking behind him and they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to be sick cuz like it's just body parts strewn about here and there." And it, they finally run into him at one point. And if you remember the first movie, you remember how he has those flashbacks of running out of a facility and yeah. running into the snow. Well, this is that part. And Gene takes off his headgear and calms him down. And he kind of like looks at her and then he runs off into the snow. And uh, <laughs> I forget who it was. I think Nightcrawler or someone is just like, oh, I hope we never see him again. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that won't be the last you see of that guy. Trust me, buddy. Uh, nope. So, yeah, that uh, was a good old, good old movie. Um, and uh, went back home. Had a pretty fun day yesterday. I went for a walk. Been working on that script for my, uh, f- uh, my friend who's doing her game. Mm-hmm. She actually started producing my... Uh, my Fallout Commission comic. Oh, um, awesome! And yeah, she showed me the first two pages where he shows up to the the market and buys the Mesmatron. It looks pretty good so far. Um, I'll be getting around to paying her come my uh, come August probably because uh, I want to save up for Otakon. Yes, Otakon. Yeah, at the moment, um, Otakon hinges on my father, since I'm not allowed to work this summer. Mm. He said that he will, uh, perhaps, if I get all my work done from all my classes and do well, that he will perhaps uh, fund Otakon for me. Otherwise, it's a no-go. And, of course, you know, you said you needed, like, two weeks' notice. Yeah, two weeks' notice. I mean, I really only need 24 hours' notice so that my father can... Um, cause he booked it for me mm-hmm. so that I can have it cause he's using his points to book it and whatnot. So, or no, he's, he's using his car so he can get the points for booking it. So he, we don't lose out on the points. Yeah. Um, but to do that, he needs it on his card. And if you don't let them know within 24 hours, uh, to cancellation, they'll basically charge you a fee or like, I think it's like a quarter of what you're supposed to pay for your stay. So yeah. That would be a quarter of uh, of eight hundred and something dollars. <laughs> so yeah, 
right. Which I would well, re- reimburse him for if it did happen, because I would have enough money saved up for that. Yeah, well, I certainly don't want to do that, so hopefully things will go through. Yeah, hopefully it goes through. We can go to Otakon. It'll be a fun time. You're going to try to get me indoctrinated into Helsing. Yes, I am. I cannot wait to introduce you to that cult. And even if I can't introduce you to the cult at Otakon, heaven forbid, I will introduce you to it one way or another. I We'll, we'll work something out. Yeah, I mean, you can. I'll bring my laptop, obviously, with me, because we'll be doing... Um, convention from the convention kind of thing short little quips like maybe 30 minutes to um you know like 45 minutes at most just talking about what our day at Otakon was like what we saw who we met that kind of stuff yeah exactly all right so my few weeks have been uh, like not too much going on you see i got that paper that i had to write yep yep and um I wrote like one page a day just because I have to take things really slow. Otherwise, I start getting like freaked out and all that kind of crap. So, but yeah, I got that done this morning and I was really proud of myself. I sent it in. I still have to send my teacher the writing exercise that she sent out to everybody. She was like, oh, make sure to keep up with your summer writing. And so she sent us this thing, which uh, was like, you have to, I had to go to Lowe's and I had to get a paint chip. Like, and I had to write a poem based on the title of the paint chip. Oh, you mean the, those like paint cards they have there? Yeah, yeah. So I, the color I chose is called Prickly Pear. Prickly Pear. It was not, yeah, it's green. Okay. It's, um... Kind of a hospitaly green. Ooh, like a pea soup green. Yeah, it's not. It's not a nice green. Ugh. Yeah, I mean there are a lot of nice greens out there. This is not one of those greens. Yeah, I like I like deep sea green because it has a, or deep sea blue because it has uh, like that dark green into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blue blue is actually my favorite color. Mine happens to be purple, so you'd think I'd write about that, but no, I wanted to write something somber and awful, so. <laughs> As usual. I bet you'd like uh, the purple cow, then. The purple cow? Yeah, it's a, uh, in Virginia Beach, there's a milkshake place called the purple cow, and they have a milkshake called the purple cow, which is a vanilla milkshake that's colored purple. That's amazing, because I have this really old story, um, and this is a story that was actually just, it's, it's told, um via word of mouth. This is not a story that has ever been written down, although I do have it recorded on videotape. Uh, which is about a uh, knight and a cavalier going to get purple milk from a purple cow so that the princess can finish making the purple soup. And this was told at a, at a camp that I went to, and uh, it's one of the funniest stories I think I've ever heard. Because <laughs> it's so dumb. Because it's based off of a really dumb camp song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's just like I think like the lorries are like we are stirring the purple soup. <laughs> Girl Scout Girl Scout camp is a wild time. Let me tell you. Um, other yeah, than it's that, a wild time. <laughs> not that kind of wild time, buddy. It's a Christian camp. Oh, okay. Hey, you know, Catholic high school girls in trouble. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> so. Um, 
The only other thing that, like, you know, my mother came to visit, boo hiss, yada yada. Um, boo hiss. <laughs> uh, my, I, uh, a, little, a while back, I backed a Kickstarter. And I, I want you, I want you to guess, Red. What was this Kickstarter for? Um, did it have something to do with Helsing? No. Nothing to do with Helsing. Um, the thing you hate. Oh, Christ. It has something to do with fucking birds. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's not another uh, bird thing, is it? They're not making another one, are they? Probably, but that's not what this is for. Oh, <laughs> because we seek to torture you, that's why. But Japan is good at making all those really weird um, dating sims, because or visual novels, because they do. And there's, a, there's just one that just came out where it's like normal girls... But their faces look like a Jackson Pollock painting. That's interesting. It's like, I can't. Do I want Starry Night or do I want the Mona Lisa? <laughs> oh, that's. But um, yeah, so it was a Kickstarter funding Hotsville Boyfriend plushies and I backed it. Oh, did uh, you get a plushie in the mail? Yes, I did. Is it I, of your or your husbando? Uh, uh, the... Yeah, my husbando uh, shoe, the Chukar partridge. Oh, and... I thought it'd be the the crazy pigeon. Oh, Oko? Mm. No, I don't like Oko. No yandere Not... pigeon? Oh no, it is yandere pigeon. Oh, a, I thought you Chukar said the partridge. partridge. He is a partridge. Okay. Partridges are technically part of the pigeon family because they're part of the quail family, which is part of the pigeon family. You know too much about birds. I'm sorry. <laughs> that 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 series. If you try to bring that series, like if you try to do anything with that <laughs> while we're at Otacon, I will just walk out of the hotel room. And I'll be like, no, come back. <laughs> be like, no, you you can. I'll have you. I'll, you can have your alone time with your birds. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a walk. <laughs> I'll be back in uh, 25 minutes. That's the beginning of time. Oh my god. <laughs> Bitch, I don't need that long. That's usually what guys say. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, why don't we move on to our industry news here, my friend? All right, industry news. Well, I have a piece of news here that I think you might like a lot. Really? Please tell me it has something to do with hatred. It does. It does. Yes. These lists, I have a list here of the top eight horrible boyfriends in anime. Excellent. I'm in the mood for hating on boyfriends, so please. All right, let's jump straight into it. Coming in at number eight is Arima from His and Her Circumstances. The okay. description for him reads, Arima suffers from a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde scenario, but fortunate for himself and his girlfriend, Dr. Jekyll is winning. His own insecurities, and believe me, almost every entry on this list suffers from some sort of ruined childhood insecurity problem Oh God! about his pedigree lead to fear of abandonment, which in turn causes him to lash out at those around his girlfriend. Yukino, 
And she, in turn, pulls the Love Savior card that turn that starts to turn things around for the two of them. But not before Artema shows some really ugly character flaws underneath his perfect facade. Coming Fantastic. in at number seven is Yano from Bokaru Ga Ita. Okay. Ever since Yano's girlfriend died in a car accident while out with another man, Yano's Jesus. had some Jesus trust Christ. issues. <laughs> Not that he's particularly forthcoming about his own trysts while dating uh, Nanami, either. Jealousy causes Yano to throw out red flags all over the place, like tossing a gift Nanami got him from a, or Nanami got from a male friend out the window because he doesn't want anyone else giving her things. Uh, coming in number six is Naoki from Itazura na Kiss. Naoki is rich and academically unmatched. His girlfriend, Kotoko, Kotoko, is bottom of the class of her high school. The two end up living together when Kotoko's house burns down and somehow the situation blossoms into romance, despite the fact that Naoki is a complete jerk. He, rem- he regularly reminds Kotoko she is beneath him, stupid and not worth his time. Even later in the series, when both are in college, he tries to skip out on her graduation ceremony from nursing school because his business is more important. Oh, hell no, honey. Get yourself a real man. Number five, Sakura Okochi from Sensual Phase. Or Phrase. How can a list like this exist without mention of one of Maoru Shinjo's male leads? This late 90s series is the only anime adaptations of Shinjiro's steamy romance stories. Vocalist Sakura carries out a romance with high school girl Annie. Annie? Really? He maintains a self-absorbed devil-may-care attitude about everything. Yeah. But is also horribly possessive. When he finds a hickey on his girlfriend due to sexual assault... He pulls her out of her class and sexually assaults her before regaining his senses. Oh. Hmm. And here's the top four. Number four. Yo Okayasu from Peach Girl. Okay. Momo's Freemi Sae is no saint, but her one-time boyfriend Ryo is a real... Ryo? Really? I didn't know you dated. Uh, Is a real piece of work. Manipulative and cold, Ryo takes part in Sai's schemes to break up... <laughs> Sorry, I can't say it with a straight face. Ryo's this guy's name. Schemes to break up Karin and Momo while leaning on Sai in the process. After sleeping with Sai and somehow avoiding Chris Hansen in the process, he's nice Damn. enough to hand over the funds for an abortion. When all is said and done, Ryo reconsiders his choices, waxing poetic on how having a child might have been an interesting sense. It's like a video game with no reset button. I knocked somebody up? Yeah, good job. Way to go, me! Here's one you might recognize. I don't know. uh, Have you ever watched Revolutionary Girl Utena? Um, I do know it. And do you know who I'm talking about? I might. Akio. Akio would easily take the number one spot except for two redeeming factors. Utena ditches him before the end of the show, and the series staff had enough sense to make him the villain. Akio's motivations are self-serving. Without an ounce of humility, compassion, or love underneath, he abuses family, friends, students, and his fiancé's mother with charm and a smile. He exposes the weakest part of Utena's character, 
but she comes out the better for it. Number two. That, that, that anime is gay. <laughs> Takumi from Nana. Possessive, controlling, and a giant hypocrite, Takumi is one of Hachi's main love interests in the Nana series. Like most of crappy, like the most crappy partners on this list, Takumi suffers from a pitiable childhood that is supposed to hand away, hand wave away his questionable behavior, like regularly cheating on his girlfriend despite supposedly undying love for her. Wow. Yeah, Hachi considers leaving Takumi a number of times, but he decides that he won't let her get away that easily. And due to extenuating circumstances, we see Hachi settle for him regardless. And coming at number one, a man from amnesia, Toma. This season's Toma, being at the top of the list, might surprise you after detailing the very horrible romantic interests Takumi and Akio. Really, none of the other options in amnesia appear to appear to viably wish wish fulfillment to anyone who has who's been in a halfway functional relationship. Shin spends his few spotlight episodes repeatedly telling the protagonist that she's an idiot, which she is, but that's besides the point. Uh, Kento seems to have his heart in the right place, but suffers from some kind of social handicap. And Iki is glamorous, but horribly dull. So what about boy next door Toma? Toma just wants to protect our memory challenge protagonist. He wants, her to, he wants to protect her from all those horrible decisions she makes whenever she exerts some kind of independence. You see, it's a big it, scary world out there, so better it, it, turn to it, his it, love. There, there's a song about that. By yeah. Perfect Circle. Turn to his love interest into a sleeping beauty by drugging her and eventually caging her. God! The worst part may be the protagonist's complete indifference to this sequence of events. She doesn't cry, scream, or show much concern at all. She acknowledges the abuse, but also rationalizes it as okay, because it's not the real Toma. Right? Uh, Honey? (laughs) No. Oh yeah, so there it was. Your top eight horrible boyfriends in anime. Just don't date. There you go. Yeah, don't date. Stay single. Don't see people. If a girl comes up to you, just tase her. (laughs) If a guy comes up to you, just kick him in the balls and run. Exactly. Or have one night stands. I don't know about that. I mean, you mean like go to a club and just like, I think you're cute. I think you're cute. Hey, you want to fuck? Sure. I don't know if that casual, but. Oh, okay. I mean, more like, I, uh, hey, how, how much for how much for a night? <laughs> I mean, like that casual? <laughs> no, 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 never mind, never mind. I mean, I mean, more like the friends with benefits type of thing. Oh, it's like, hey, we've been friends for like ten years. You want you you want blowjob? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, <laughs> on the topic of blowjobs actually this has nothing to do with blowjobs um but it does have something speaking of blowjobs i could go for a blowjob right now that is fantastic news red thank you so much for filling me in i'm just breaking the ice here i'm just breaking the ice any girls out there any uh, guys 
two? No? Okay. I'll take traps if you're. Oh my god. Okay. Ooh, um. <laughs> so, but however, do, speaking of being naked, however, mm. there is a new uh, naked dining experience in Tokyo. Now there have been a couple of other places like this in Europe. It doesn't Europe. sound very hor- hygienic. No, not really. I don't think I'd want to go there at all. But thankfully, so this is, uh, you know, a naked restaurant set to open on July 29th called uh, the Amrita, Sanskrit for the immortality. But, you know, it's Japan, so it's a little bit more conservative. And so instead of being completely naked, they receive paper underwear that they will put on. (laughs) So, so you feel like you're in a hospital while you're naked. Um, also, this uh, you one need someone scene... to help you tie the back because fuck those things—they always expose your butt. Oh yeah, they absolutely always expose your butt. That's why you don't move. <laughs> so the other thing about this is that it seems to be pretty restrictive. Like the restrictions are, you can't you can't have a tattoo. Those outside the 18 to 16 year old body age bracket and those who are 15 kilograms or 33 pounds over average body weight. So basically you can't be fat, you can't have any tattoos, and you can't be young. Or old. Or old. You have to be attractive and uh, I I was expecting honestly when you said like restriction to be like no touching, no petting. Which oh no, those still, are restrictions too. You're mean? you're not allowed to um, call out to any other dinner guests. Oh, um, you're not allowed to touch anybody. Okay. And when you finish your meal, you get up, you get put on your clothes, and you leave. What's the point? What What's the point? All your <laughs> well, if you want an orgy dinner, that's probably a different thing, Red. Like, if I wanted to, like, have food and, like, nudity, I'd go to, like, one of those, yeah, food orgy thing where it's just like, where's the hot dog going? Or go Who to Who wants ketchup? Or, I have honey. Or go to a burlesque show, honestly. Oh, no, the whipped cream's everywhere. It's on my nipples. Oh, my God. Let me just get some cherry. <laughs> when did this turn into After Dark? <laughs> Hey, it's not after dark until the tentacles come out. Bring out the tentacle monster, Dave. Oh, calamari. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> tentacle monster meat is like, retreat, retreat. retreat. They're going to try to eat me. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your other piece of news? Well, continuing our theme of sexualization of uh, the uh, anatomy of various people, you may remember... A while back, when I did a little news article on a character named Ellen Baker. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ellen Baker, if you do not recall, is the fictional young English teacher featured in the new edition of the Japanese English language textbook New Horizon. Who has achieved somewhat of a scary, widespread internet popularity. And due to this... The author actually had come out before and was like, hey, guys, I, I love that you're you're she's becoming popular and that she's reaching a world. That's great. Um, but can I, you I, not? I saw you like some guys are like maybe drawing her in various um, not good positions. So maybe don't sexualize her, please. 
And instead, the internet went, oh, you mean gangbangs? Okay. Gang yes. Gangbangs and just dicks everywhere. Just put it in her. Like, she's teaching kids getting fucked. And now we have a unauthorized hug pillow that has come out, which I got to say, and uh, I think you did agree with me earlier. Yeah, I did. It's tasteful. It is really tasteful. It's not... Like, you know, we don't actually have a gangbang going on on this No, there's pillow. there's no, like, questionable fluids strewn about on her face or anything like that. And she doesn't look unhappy at all, like uh, some pillows. Yeah, it, it looked like it was just like, uh, you know, she's in her broad panties. Yeah, so you have the one half, of course. You have the non-naughty half. It's just Ellen Baker on her back on um, some pink sheets, just looking happy. Like, yeah, I'm about to teach you something. You know, teach me something. All right, have some. <laughs> And then the other side is her uh, naughty side, which is just her uh, denim skirt has been taken off and she's uh, got her blouse opened up and she's exposing her lingerie, which is uh, pretty nice, I gotta say. She's got some nice lacy garments with garter belts and some lacy panties and a lacy bra from the looks of it. And she still looks happy. Yeah, we all know that you're a sucker for garter belts, eh, Ray? I fucking like lace, all right? I just, I can't, I look at lace and I'm like, that is Victoria's Secret. Mm. Victoria's Secret is so uncomfortable, holy shit. They don't know how to make bras. You don't really need to make them or wear them very, very long because they're coming right off. Like, you just come out and like, hey, what do you think? The guy's like, can I take it off? (laughs) And And it's just, it's like a prize for the guy's like, this is mine now. And he holds up in the sky like glows like ah. Well, I mean, have you like have you seen fucking Victoria's Secret commercials? I don't know who they're making them for, but it certainly ain't women. Some like some like the music plays like he picks it off of her and he goes dun 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 dun. <laughs> Zelda comes out of nowhere like give me that fucking thing back. <laughs> Link's like no. It's actually Link can't say anything. He's like hot, hot. <laughs> So yeah, the uh, hugging pillow is for sale over on uh, Yahoo Japan's shopping site for 5,088 yen, which is about 46 bucks. That's not bad. Not bad. The pillow is also being sold sold by Pepera Shoji, a brand known for its hugging pillow knockoffs and other pirated goods. So uh, if you feel like... Being a um, pirate. Being a pirate or, you know, you like... Blonde teachers who teach English in Japan who, in all honesty, I've seen English teachers and it's usually a guy. Girls don't really get into that. So I would prefer it be a guy with blonde hair, glasses, or brown hair. That's fine. Tall, older than me. Green eyes or blue eyes? Green. Green eyes? Okay. Yeah, that's what Ellen Baker has. Longish blonde hair with green eyes and a very happy... You know, like, I'm so happy, I'm teaching, kind of look to her that's more... Make it a man in that same attitude, and then bend me over that desk. And then, and then you turn around, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, fuck. Every single time I want to make a fucking sexual joke about this guy, I can't remember his damn name. (laughs) Sue? Walter. Oh, Walter? It's Walter. It's like, yeah, I'm going to teach you something. Um... Yes, sir. <laughs> Bite down on this. You'll need it. <laughs> and that's the last I heard of Rio. 
ever again because Walter tied her up in his strings and took her away. He's like, um, I need a new co-host. Mine is currently in Bora Bora with Walter. That'd be a better fate than I'm suffering right now. So, but while I'm still here, not being kidnapped by my anime husbands, we have another piece of news, which is there are, I, I don't know. Have you ever seen the paper craft kits that you can assemble in, from Japan? I mean, like it's a flat paper thing and then like you fold it in different directions and it turns into like a figurine. Yes. I have seen them and I did it once with a Gundam. Yes, so these ones are really highly complex ones from Studio Ghibli. And so I have a list here. Number five is My Neighbor Totoro. Everyone's favorite cat bus is perched atop Sasuke and May's little white and red roofed house as the girls are excitedly from the ground. Faux leaves, grass, bushes, and flowers. It's really, it really does look quite nice. That's As long as... Yeah, yeah, as long as you don't look at it from the back. <laughs> um, the next one is Porco Rosso. Uh, so you may not be able to enjoy Paradise in real life, but now you can have your own. With some assembly and little imagination, the Hotel Adriano sits in the middle of the sea, surrounded by lush green trees and moss-covered walls. Tiny stairs lead up to the dock where the little boats await to take passengers and supplies to and fro. Some assembly, huh? It has even all the details of the windows. Good fucking luck putting that together. I thought putting Gundams together was hard. But it's not the hardest one. Number three, Howl's Moving Castle. The Moving Castle may not resemble any castle we've ever seen, but that's what gives it its charm. Quirky and cute, a good amount of steampunk influence. The model of this animal-like castle looks like it's ready to head off to an- on another adventure. It it looks crazy like it looks exact detail i have no idea how you would fold that correctly to get it to look like that how the fuck is that paper i have no clue that like i've seen like people if they do with lego sometimes and that's like wow that's amazing this this is like this is like japan I, I know you're, like, really inge- a genius people and all, but come on, you got way too much time if you're making paper craft out of... into this! This is, like, I mean, what those kids do. Like, they just come into class one day and they go on the, the chalkboard and they just... they make a fucking... Uh, uh, the next Mona Lisa on Yeah, the, the next Mona Lisa, and it's like, how the fuck did you do that? That's, that's a blackboard and chalk! How did you do that? And then the teacher comes in and just wipes it down. It's like, all right, uh, who disrupted my chalkboard? Yeah, unfortunately. So the next one is Kiki's Delivery Service. It's a 1 to 150 scale model of Kiki and Gigi's home looking straight from the movie. Decorate the roof and walls with moss and fill the yard of lush green grass and flowers to give the house its beautiful country feel. There's even a miniature Kiki running out the front steps, and if you look close enough... A minuscule Gigi curled up near the porch. Oh, yeah, you're right. Wow, how does all that turn into that? Like, I just saw what the papers is. That, that, that is like Gundam stuff. That's basically like you need like tiny scissors. You're going to need different kinds of glue. You're going to need little 
like toothpicks and stuff like that to put this shit there. Like, how long does it take you to build this kind of stuff? Probably fucking forever. Oh my god, I just looked in the next one. Yeah, the next one is insane. The first one is Spirited Away. Perhaps the most impressive of all the, of all, is the bathhouse where Chihiro finds work. This model includes everything from the bridge at the entrance to the trees in the front garden, the fencing in the wood window frames, the smokestack, and even the rickety old stairs down the backside of the building. It literally looks like it's straight out of the movie. And it's $537 on Amazon. I wouldn't pay that much for paper just for my printer. Yeah, that's a lot. So, I mean, if you like to torture yourself with an X-Acto knife, I mean, God knows I did. I paid my dues with the, with the fucking X-Acto knife. I'm not going back. You can't make me. But if you're one of those people that does want to delve into the hell that is paper art art making, then you can find these on Amazon Japan and Amazon USA. Excellent. Yeah. I guess that brings us to our reviews. Yes, reviews. So, uh, I guess I should go first then. Yes, go right ahead. Um, I'm going to be reviewing the first season of Assassination Classroom. Woo! Koro-sensei! Yes. Now, at first, I had thought the series was just another Battle Royale, or Danganronpa, by its title. Oh, it's so not. However, I was told this was not the case, and I should at least give it a little try. A quick peek at the Wookiee. The wookie. <laughs> the wiki told me my friends were right. But I still didn't know what to really expect. What I found was an interesting story of how an assassination target can grow on you. And that even a huge sum of money can't make their death seem worthwhile. Our main protagonist, who starts us off as Nagisa, and though... He was the main protagonist. He was less of the main protagonist at the start and more just the voice of the narrator. For a bit there, I'd even thought that he was a girl. And even I was shocked to find out that he was just kind of a feminine male. My trap radar was totally off. Well, I mean, they do make a comment about that, I think, They do, yes. And they even talk about it more in the second season about why he looks like a girl. Uh, Nagisa introduces us to his fellow classmates and to the conundrum they face. They must kill their teacher. This teacher in question is a yellow, tentacled, smiling creature who claims to have been born on Earth. From what we see of a flashback, he speaks the truth, and also his past might not have been so great. The deal they receive is that if they manage to kill this teacher, whom they have named Koro-sensei, they receive a pretty large sum of moolah. The problem? Not even the governments of the world could touch him, as this teacher can travel at the speed of a spacecraft re-entering the atmosphere, or Mach 20, I believe. He likes to uh, boast about how fast he can travel a yes. lot. He'll, like, he'll be like, I'm going to stop in uh, China for some ma pao. At and Mach he, 20. He, yeah, yeah, he's gone. 
if they fail, Kordo Sensei claims he will destroy the Earth just like he did the moon. Because at the beginning of this, the moon had exploded into a crescent shape. And you know, because the moon exploded in a crescent shape would never affect the Earth at all. It's not like millions of meteorites fall down to the Earth and... It's not like our oceans would fucking go haywire because the gravitational pull of the moon has now changed. But yeah. This is an anime, so you gotta give it, you know, some... It's, it's definitely a hand wave moment, and once you get past it, it really doesn't bother you Yeah, anymore. it really doesn't matter that much anymore. And he gives them until the end of the school year to accomplish your task. At first, the school is full of Pep, or the class, trying everything they think of to kill Koro-sensei. He even provides them with a way of hurting him, BBs, that are specifically designed to harm him and only him. But with him being able to move at Mach 20, proved too high a hurdle, and soon they fall into a bit of despair. See, this class is also known as the End Class because it is composed of the school's failures and rejects. Everyone here is expected to eventually fail or drop out, and achieve nothing more than breathing. Korno-sensei, however, changes this, and his teaching methods surpass those of every teacher at the main school. He raises E-class to the level of A-class, much to the ire of the main school and its principal. This creates a new hurdle for the class to deal with, as they grow to like their assassination target. Yet, at no point does Korno-sensei ever ask them to stop. In fact, he pushes them to achieve their original goal, even further, which only proves to strengthen their ties. In fact, the final few episodes didn't even focus on the class's attempts to kill Koro-sensei. Well, it kind of did. It led up to that. But instead, they focused on the class working together to save each other from a deadly virus given them to a, by another teacher who Nagisa drove to madness. Uh, because Nagisa is probably the best assassin out of all of the class. He kind of attains uh, this... Uh... He's like he's but he's like a silent... like you, Everybody else is just like, oh, he, he's good with knives, he, he's good with guns, he's... But Nagisa, yeah, they're, they're good with sniper rifles, this guy's good with strength, you know, this Nagisa guy's intelligent. But Nagisa has the air of the assassin. Yeah, like, he's like... He could truly be one. He disappears into the shadows, he shows up again, he has the knife to your throat, and he's like... Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, he, they, like, the visual representation of him, and, like, he does this clap thing, his, his signature move, where he can, like, frequent, focus on the frequency of this person that he wants to assassinate and clap and match their frequency, causing them to paralyze or become paralyzed. Um, it's in these final episodes we really start to see that Nagisa is truly the main antagonist or protagonist. Um, as the final battle ends up being a one-on-one -on -one match with him and that broken teacher I spoke of. Mm -hmm. It's also in these final few episodes that the anime kind of wanes its, its enjoyment, as it did change its focus from killing Koro-sensei to this battle. I actually started to um, like scan through the episode and be like, uh, don't need to see that, don't need to see that. Okay, here we go, this, this matters. There were actually a few moments like this in the anime where my interest dipped due to the focus being more on realistic personal issues and not the fun factor I came for, which is this hilarious attempt to kill a creature that can travel a Mach 20. Um, there are a few uh, other characters in particular I do want to mention. Uh, there's Karusuma, a government worker who has been assigned to work with the class. He teaches PE, which is He's more so or less 
physical training to kill Koro-sensei. Uh, he teaches target practice, martial arts, a combination of other physical training exercises. He seems to know something about Koro-sensei's background in this season, though he leaves it be. He never mentions it. And then uh, you got Bitch-sensei. Bitch-sensei, or Irina, an assassin hired to take out Koro-sensei, who the kids have been calling Bitch-sensei. Her skill set is seduction and charm, which seemed to be working on Koro-sensei until she was utterly defeated by his speed. She actually ends up staying on as a foreign language teacher, teaching the class the charismatic part of being an assassin. Well, I think in the manga, her the first thing that she teaches them in English is, you are good in bed. Yes, she actually says that... <laughs> Like, one of the English phrases she teaches them is, like, you are good in bed. And, like, and Nagi says, like, what are you trying to teach us? <laughs> um, she seems to have a thing for Karusuma, but, ig- but he ignores her as he believes her flirting is nothing more than the assassination training. Though I personally wanted a, uh, a Karusuma ex Irina to be a thing. And not to spoil anything, but second season... I got my wish. Oh. Big time, I got my wish. Second season was like, you want them to be a thing? They're a thing. And it's so beautiful how it happens. And it's just like, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I don't think we've ever seen Red this, like, giddy. Ah, it was so great. It was like, I didn't expect it at all, too. Like, the the part of it just came about. And, like, he's, like, talking to her. And I'm just listening. I'm like, da-da-da-da-da. What did, what did he say? And she's like, she even says that too. Like, she's like, what? And I got it first. I was like, oh, 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 oh. And she gets it and she's like, oh, oh. She's like, yes. And then like the next few episodes are just her walking around going like 10 times a night, 10 times a night. And it's like, good job. Good job. And he's good just job. like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know what you guys are going to do. And she's just like, I can't wait for the first night. And it's like, I can't wait for the first night either. Oh, I'm so happy those two get together. Ah, uh, um, oh, uh, and just a couple others. Karuma, who is a close friend of Nagisa's, who was suspended for the first month of school when he beat the crap out of a teacher. Oh, I love Karma. He is very cold and logical, and is often considered to be the top of the class when it comes to everything. He does begin to warm up to the rest of the class when he suffers a big defeat, and Koro Sensei goads him into breaking out of his shell to move forward. Ritsu, an emotionless AI sent to kill Koro-sensei. However, one night, Koro-sensei goes and messes with her programming a bit, changing her into more of a fun-loving killer who likes to hang out with everyone, even though she's a, uh, basically a Miku. A Miku in a giant, um... And a giant uh, monolithic uh, pillar that has guns that come out of it. I thought it was like an iPod at first, honestly. A giant iPod? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, the final transfer student who shows up, Itona. He claims to be a relative of Koro-sensei and possesses the same tentacles as him. He's actually overseen by a cloaked figure who seems to be his retainer. And while he's not a student, he also tries to mess with Koro-sensei, often unfairly. Uh, the animation was done by Studio Lurch, or... And it Lurche. matches the it matches the manga really well. Yeah, like, it's they pretty did on par. Not deviate. Yeah, the the Lurche guys have been behind Manji de Watashi ni Koi 
Shinasai, Unbreakable Machine Doll, and Donkanrompa, the animation. Which was a mistake. Uh, yeah, well, it still matched pretty well, but <laughs> it matched in the bad way. It was like, wow, this is manga par for par. Although I'd never watched Donkanrompa, so. Don't. Okay, I won't. I'm not a really big fan of Battle Royale kind of stuff where it's like, all right, throw everyone in there, kill each other, yay! Well, I mean, I guess I, I'm okay with Battle Royale. Like, you know, I've seen the the original Battle Royale plenty of times. I was I not. I read the manga and I was like, there's a lot of rape in this. There's, oh, there's a lot of rape. Oh, 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 okay. I didn't read it. I watched the movie. Okay, there's a lot of rape. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of rape. Did I mention there's a lot of rape? Okay, well, then I guess I'm not going to read the fucking manga. Yeah, there's a lot of rape. Well. Oh, um, voice acting. Uh, I do have to say it was nice. Uh, everyone sounded exactly the way they looked they should sound. I never had a problem with someone's voice being off or not knowing who was speaking at any point. And can you guess who my favorite character was out of the classroom? Well, I know your favorite character doesn't come in until season two. Ooh, no. I will let you know it is a female character, and she is one of the students in the classroom. Um, yeah, she's like part of like kind of the... She's got curly hair, looks kind of down all the time. Uh, is she is she part of the? Are you trying to say she's part of the delinquent class? Yeah, she's part yes. of the delinquent Yes, click. the my favorite character who more or less came off as a background character for the first season is Kirira Hazama. It's just something about her character design that was like instant boner for me. Like I was just like, she's beautiful. <laughs> her voice was delicious. Her character design was hot. Everything about her attracted me. I was pretty saddened, however, that her background hadn't yet to be covered, and I had hoped she'd play more of a role in the second season. However, she's still just more of a background character, and I'm saddened by that. I'm just like, I want to, I want to see more about the the girl with the the girl with the eyeliner. <laughs> All right. Well, what are you giving this? I'm gonna give this a high crackers. I'm gonna give it a uh, uh, what do we got there? Some uh, some Ritz crackers. Some butter Ritz crackers. Mm, I could go through some butter Ritz crackers right now. A little cheese on top, too. Yeah, have you gotten all the soap out of your mustache? Yeah, no more soap in the stash. Yeah, the 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 alcohol has been finished. I had some Frangelica today, so uh, I'm no longer consuming the the booze. I moved over to my lemonade. And I am not uh, suffering from uh, soapy stash anymore. All right. Well, I guess that brings me to my review. And I'm going to be doing Akuma no Riddle. So, we begin in an ordinary school. With an ordinary class. And an ordinary girl. Nah, I'm just fucking with you. There's nothing normal about this class except for the blissfully unaware teacher. Poor guy. So the premise is there are 12 students that are brought together, 11 of which are assassins, and the last one is a target. <laughs> oh, this is like, this is the assassination classroom. Yeah. This is, this is, I gotta come up, wow, what, what could be the title for this? Keep going, title for this episode. Okay, well, one of them, 
must eliminate this target. Each of them must deliver an assassination notice to the target before they can attempt an assassination, and they only get 48 hours to complete it in one shot. If they fail to complete their assassination attempt, they will be expelled from this black class immediately. Now you figure, wow, holy shit, this person must be... The person being assassinated must be really awful. Not true. Introducing one of our main female characters, Ichonose Haru. She's a fairly normal girl, except for the fact that people have been trying to kill her her entire life. Which, for reasons that are never quite cleared up, it's just that she's covered in scars and everyone that she loved is dead because of her. Not really, because they chose to protect her and they died. That, uh, that sounds pretty, pretty dark. Yes, this is not a happy... It's It comes off as being kind of, like, happy and fun at first, but it's really not. It's kind of terrifying, and the heavy metal rock music that goes on throughout it kind of hammers that in. Did I mention the music is amazing? Does it ever come out exactly why she's being hunted? No, they don't say. Okay. Uh, um, one girl seems to know something about it, but she keeps everything pretty quiet. I, uh, I have a feeling that it's a little bit longer than uh, what we were given. Because there is an episode 13 that I didn't get to. The episode 13 is technically a special. It's separate from the actual anime. So. Be, uh, because they all were so basically all of her friends and family are dead because they were, died trying to protect her. Because of this, she's determined not to let their deaths be in vain and swears to graduate at the end of the year and looks forward to getting along with everyone. Very quickly, it is made clear that this is a class of assassins and she's kind of fucked. And we also introduce Azuma Tokaku, our other female lead. Let me just say something about these two girls. The gays are in. I repeat, the gays are in. So this is a this is a uh, Yuri anime. No, it is a little shoujo eye. Tokaku is cold and harsh, and but almost immediately in the series, shreds her notice for assassination and flips to Haru's side and swears that no one will harm her. They even share a kiss at one point. Granted, the kiss was to was kind of like uh, you need oxygen, otherwise you're gonna drown, type of thing. Oh, you but mouth to mouth then. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it it was still a kiss, and Tokaku is blushing afterwards. Are you and sure this isn't Yuri? There's no sex, so it's not Yuri. You don't necessarily need to have sex to be homosexual. No, sh- shoujo eye is like the. PG version, which is the, pretty much what this is. Okay, because typically in Shoujoai, there's no kissing either. There's not even touching. It's just like giving googly eyes to each other all the time and being like, I like this girl! Yes. So, all the other girls who are trying to kill Haru have distinct, if not stereotypical, personalities. We have the bookish-wearing girl with, with twin tails, the slut with big tits who doesn't give a damn, the princess who brings her own desk and big comfy chair to class. But not all of them are like that. We do have one Yandere, 
she is the first person to go after Haru and sees all the scars that Haru has on her and decides that to get the maximum pleasure out of killing her because she literally does say like, when she starts carving up the scars that she already has on her legs, like, oh, that look on your face it gets me so wet. Hmm. Not the kind of Yanade I would typically like getting involved with since she's going after a girl, but hey. Yeah, I mean, she. It, I, I don't even know if she's technically feels like falls into the Yanda category. She Simply, could just be Yan. Yeah, she's just fucking crazy. Okay, Yan. Yeah, she. Uh, because you see, the thing is about this is that if you do kill the target at which you are assigned, you will be granted any wish you want. Ooh, I wish that. We had a female president in power who wants to legalize prostitution, marijuana, and gambling all across the United States. Free blowjobs for everybody. Free blowjobs for everybody. Blowjob Wednesdays, buddies. Okay. So, for instance, our our, uh, sort of Yandere character, she wants protection. She wants to be able to kill without any... Uh, consequences for the rest of her life. We have... This is like, is this like just a Japanese government thing that they're agreeing to? Because if she was like, I'm going to go to America and fucking kill everyone, America's probably like, mm, Trump just became president, so you might not want to do that. <laughs> I think... Um, <laughs> well, they do have one character who uh, her wish extends past the reach of Japan okay. because she has Highlander Syndrome. You're gonna be she, only one. <laughs> well, so she doesn't age, and so her wish oh. is to grow old and die normally. And so, the, like the way that it was gonna happen is like, oh, they would get all like the gather the best medical researchers and doctors from around the world. That would I, I would love to live forever and be young. The problem was is that she was had a lover, and she didn't grow older and he did and so he left her oh what a shitty boyfriend that's stupid if your girl stays like a young girl you are in a a a a con con you're in a clonade scenario where it's like i'm just you know a regular looking dude and my wife is a lolly say hello (laughs) lolly hello yeah don't try to think about how we fuck it just works Now, all of these characters do have their own unique backstories, and they never, ever info-dump them on us. We might get small flashbacks here and there, but over the course of the episode and what that's focused on them, we get bits and pieces of info on them. It's never just like, and here we have Glasses Girl, and she's really upset because her mother figure kind of got killed, and it was her fault. It's not, that isn't all revealed all at once. Uh, I repeat, the music rocks. I want to download all of it. The opening theme is really good. All of the ending themes are good because there's a different ending theme for every episode. Is it a female rock or male rock? Um, female. Okay. All right. I'll give it a listen to see if we'll use it for this episode. Yes. Um, the only thing that I can honestly say that, that this show suffers from is not committing. Tragic accidents happen and no one dies. 
However, there are a few times that the anime surprises you. Like, for instance, there's a Romeo and Juliet moment. Not between our two female leads. That actually was quite touching considering the circumstances. And I didn't expect it after all of the other times that where we had been brought to a kind of ultimatum moment and nobody died anyways. It is revealed why nobody ever dies when confronted with Tokaku, but... And she eventually does come over it. Which is why I'm going to give this show a crackers. Double crackers. Double crackers. Alrighty then. That train in the background is signaling the end of the episode. Yes, I believe it is. So, until next time everybody, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. Hello shooting star, hello shooting star.